Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. You know, Pastor Chris and Pastor Liz are ministering in the Bahamas, and so I'm always so honored um, to be able to, to bring you a word because it's always an on-time word. Okay, it's always something where I'm like, man, that was really on my heart, or I've been, hey, I've been studying about this, or I've been studying about that, and then lo and behold, it's like, here you go. <laughs> so I was joking with uh, earlier today with somebody, and I was like, man, it's so crazy how in the midst of preparing or in the midst of getting ready for, for you know, you guys, I'm praying, and I'm seeing most of your faces as I'm praying, God, tell me, what do they need to know? What do they need to hear, God? Help us to walk in victory at a greater level. Help us to overcome in our lives. Help us to live every day the way that you want us to live. And so, you know, it's one of those things, when you talk about winning, it's what everybody wants to do, right? People don't wake up in the morning and go, I really feel like losing the day today. I really, you know, I really want to lose today. No, we don't, we don't talk like that, right? Now, we just finished the Super Bowl. So how many of you were cheering for the Chiefs? I had to think about who was playing because I'm not a real big football fan. How many were going for the 49ers? How many really couldn't care less? No, <laughs> But now listen, regardless of if you cared or not, and maybe you watched the game, maybe you didn't watch the game, but did you kind of say, oh, well, I guess so-and-so will win? Most of you, right? I, I'm not a, I, I wish I was more of a football fan, and maybe if my son plays football, I will understand it. I mean, I understand the basic concept, but all the different colors and... I don't know what's happening. Sean tried to show me one night, and I think I annoyed him. So he said, I don't know. I, don't, I, can't, I can't explain this. So I was like, okay, I'll just stick to basketball because that's my jam. We'll just stick there, right? So, <laughs> so here's the thing. We all root for a winner. We all want to win. Think about competing, doing your best. These are all things that are great ideas and great principles, right? We grow up with this winning mentality. So I am a competitive person, which if you know me, that might surprise you. Or if you don't know me, that might surprise you. But uh, I'm very competitive, and I really don't like losing, um, <laughs> which most of us could say I would agree with that. But I, I, um, I kind of take it over, over the line sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing I want you to think about. When you're winning, winning is truly where it's at right? Because it's all about victory. It's about a complete and total victory. It's the goal. Annihilation of the enemy, okay? Domination of opposition. Second place is just first loser, okay? Nobody, nobody else in here is, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to win, right? This is just, that's just me. We're, we're going. I'm going to win. It's just the way it's going to work. Because winning is what even makes this country great, right? Think about the Olympics. It's medals that count, right? Gold medals that count. Whatever nation dominates the sport in gold medals counts. Can you tell me the last person who won a silver medal in swimming? Does anybody know any silver Olympic medalists? I'm just asking. Do we? No, we don't know. The silver medals, right? 
Winning and victory are important, and they're common goals in our life. And the Bible even says so. In 1 John, it says, whatever is born of God conquers the world. You're born of God. You conquer the world. And this is the victory that conquers our world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Pretty clear there, right? We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, so we are conquerors. We are conquerors. Cue the we are the champions music in the back. No, we are conquerors. We are the champions. We are the one that God puts in the victory seat. That's where we stand. That is our place and our position in the earth. We are victorious. But the thing I want you to understand, the fine print to victory, what it's all about. And yes, John in 1 John paints a really cool picture of the difference between those who love God and those who don't. But what's the real difference? What's the winner in John's eyes? Well, basically, it's love. It all comes down to love. Because if you love, you are on God's side. And that makes you victorious. Over and over again, throughout the first epistle of John, we see time and time again, the winner in this letter is love. In 1 John 4.18, it says, Perfect love casts out fear, and love conquer, conquers all. In 1 John 4.16, it says, God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. In 1 John 4.21, it says, Those who love God must love their brothers and their sisters also, and it all comes together, guys, in a collection of verses where the love of God becomes so evident and so clear. It says, for the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. By this, we know that, that, that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. First John 5, 2 through 3. Now, I know I gave those to you quick, but write them down and go look at them later. Highlight them in your Bible. Highlight them in your, your Bible app, whatever you're using. But the bottom line here is that being a winner, being victorious is all about God's love. It's all about operating in his love. Love gets you that grand prize. Love gets you that medal. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, oh, great, I got to walk in love. Well, that's just more work. Well, absolutely it's more work because, again, following the rules is always more work than just doing what you want to do. It just is because bottom line is that your first stop to victory is through the path of love. That's how we stay victorious. That's how we remain conquerors, is that we stay in love. Guys, love is a decision. In fact, it's one of the most important decisions that you will ever make. And he requires that we walk in love. We're going to talk tonight about four ways that we can stay in love and four ways that we can walk out love. Now, what I'm going to challenge you to do tonight, because even as I prepared this sermon, I'm going to tell you, put your steel toe boots on and get ready. Because what God wants to do in you to get your love walk to another level, because guys, we live in a world that's so unlovable and so unkind and so unjust that there is nothing greater that we as believers need to do than to walk in the love of Jesus. 
than to shed forth the love of Jesus. Guys, we should look different. We should talk different. We should act different. People should know just by how we are that we are believers. It should exude from us because in this world, love is so misconstrued. In this world, love is so off kilter. What love is It is opposite in God's eyes because the God kind of love is the kind of love we need to be showing forth. And let me just tell you, you're going to be tested in this because I know I was tested in this because yesterday, I don't know who's in here, I was telling Lauren, I said, I'm having one of those days where I just want to stab something. I have a box cutter here and I'm just, I don't, I just am so, like, it just happens. Why? Because our love walk is the key to answered prayers. Our love walk is the key to seeing God do greater and more abundantly in our lives. And we got a long way to go. Because I was like, God, didn't I feel like I just talked about this. I'm not saying it in a bad way. But it was like in the forefront of my brain, like, God, we're still, I'm talking about victory and love and how to walk in love. And I'm like, man, we all need a deeper lesson in this. I was, I was joking with Brother Lindsay and Lauren today. I said, man, I've just been even, when was it, like four weeks ago, Pastor Chris gave the staff like a mandate to read about the love of God. So we've been saturated in it here in the staff, like reading about the love of God and operating in the love of God. And I read um, Love is the Way to Victory by Kenneth Hagin over the weekend. And I was like, okay, I'm just inundated in it. And I felt like in my head, it was like alphabet soup. Like I have all this stuff in my brain that we want to talk about love, but, and I need to spell a word, but it's all soup. Okay. Like (laughs) it's just a whole bunch of stuff. And sometimes that's how it feels with the love of God. So tonight what I want to do is I want to narrow our focus and stick to what's on the spoon. Can we do that tonight? Okay, we're going to stick to what's on the spoon because, guys, God gave us meat in this house. And I'm so thankful and so blessed that we can sit under pastors that give the uncompromising meat of the word of God and not just milk. And I, we are so blessed in this house. And I'm so happy that we can send our pastors to bring this word to the world. And you're part of that harvest. And so tonight as we get ready to eat this word, I want you to focus on what's on the spoon in front of you. Because we could go a million different directions in love. But guys... There's important ways that we have to get in check to walk in love. And the first thing we need to do is we need to forgive. Everybody say forgive. Forgive. Oh, we're talking about this again? Anybody? Forgive. Okay, now listen. We've all learned this lesson, right? We've all learned this lesson. When I was a kid, or how about when you were a kid? Put yourself in this, okay? When you were a kid... Were you ever bullied? Were people ever mean to you? Were, did you have people say hateful things to you? Did you have people that were not unkind to you? We learn forgiveness very small, right? Now, I remember in high school, I had this one particular coach that was brutal. I mean, brutal. Now, listen, I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad. I cry when I'm mad. I cry when my feelings are hurt. I am a crier, okay? So I, I will never forget. It's like the, the movie, uh, There's No Crying in Baseball, right? You guys know this line? There's no crying in baseball. Huh? Yeah, thanks. A league of their own. Thank you. I couldn't think of the movie. 
But like, I would always remember that line. There's no crying, right? So I try to really hard to like, okay, I'm going to look up in the, and I'm not going to cry because she would be brutal. Like, you better, like just screaming at everybody, not just me. And I remember sitting one day and I was crying because I was so upset and I just can't do anything right. And I'm just going to quit. You know, I'm just going to drop out. I, I just can't handle it anymore. I just, I, I can't. She's just too mean. And I just, I cry every single practice and I don't want to go. And I used to love it. And I'll never forget my papa giving me a big hug and basically telling me to grin and bear it because tough cookies, that's the way life is, right? Anybody else? They, they were like, you can't quit. Just go do, take care of it. Get thicker skin. I still have not mastered that, Papa. Sorry. <laughs> I'm working on that, right? But I will never forget, like, okay, grin and bear it. Okay, we can do this. And, you know, I, I think about that kind of negativity, and I think about that, that time, and I remember my best trying to forgive them and muster the strength to wipe away the tears and get back out on the court and play the hardest and do the best that I could do. And that learning experience really prepared me for life because I'm so thankful that I was taught to forgive at a young age. I'm so thankful that I was taught to get back on the court and not let other people's words affect me, but just keep going and don't quit. And maybe that's where I got my competition or my, like, I will not quit. I'm going to keep trying until I get it right. And that was just part of it. Because in life, we will experience moments when we're tempted to leave the playing field of the situation that we're in because of the way that someone else treated us. But just like my papa taught me, we have to forgive those who wrong us instead of letting that root of bitterness take hold in our hearts. Because sometimes the only course of action is to grin and bear it. Sometimes the only course of action is to throw in the towel and to resolve not to throw in the towel on account of someone's hurtful words or actions. Because guys, life, it beckons us to do great things. It calls for us to do adventurous things. It calls for us to step out in faith and do what God called us to do. Step out on the waters that look so high and the sea looks so big. It beckons us to go forth. And if we're not careful, unforgiveness can hold us back from setting forth on the next great adventure that God has in our lives. And we can't let the actions and we can't let the words of a few people sidetrack us from the purpose that God has planned for our lives. Because those words are untruths. If it doesn't line up with the word, cut it out. Don't think about it. It might be 30 times a day that you have to say, I forgive them. I will not think that. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ. I am victorious. I am a champion. I can do, I can walk in love. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Whatever it is you have to do, find that place because we don't want to be sidetracked. And unforgiveness can do that, which is why forgiving is so important. And I love Luke 17 and 3 where it really gives instructions on how we should respond to people when it comes to forgiving, people, to forgiving them. Luke 17 and 3 says, Take heed to yourselves, and if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. Now, that's not a very long verse, 
Seems pretty straightforward. Seems pretty easy until you have to do it. Okay? Because he gave instructions here in how we respond um, when we perceive that someone has done something wrong to us. Now, I emphasize the word perceive for a reason because our perception may be incorrect. But whether it's right or it's wrong, it's still our perception. So how do we fix that? What do we do in those moments when our perception may be off? Well, we should, should we ignore it? You know, should we continue to let it eat away at us and bother us? Or maybe we should take another route. So I started thinking, okay, God, when that happens, what, what, what do we do? When I'm, uh, when I'm feeling this, and then he said a word to me, and I remember thinking, oh, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to confront them. I don't want to say anything to them. I, I, uh, okay, well, wait a second. Because Jesus said right there, little words, two little words in the beginning of that. Take heed to yourself. Jesus commanded us to deal with ourselves first. Look at ourselves. Look inward. It, that's where we perceive that wrong. That's where we look inside of ourselves to see if we have perceived incorrectly. Because how do we respond? Jesus then continues to tell us. He says, if thy, if thy brother trespass against us, against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. But I want to tell you why he says take heed to yourself. Because he says, listen, let's get your emotions in check, baby. That's how God sometimes tells me. Let's get it in check, baby. Let's calm down. Right? Well, God can tell us to calm down. Husbands, please don't tell your wife to calm down. <laughs> that is some fighting words there. Do not say that to your wife. But God can say it. Amen? Um, but, you know, God's like, calm down. Look on the inside of yourself. Really see what needs to be changed. Really take control of your own emotions. Find that way. That word trespass, because, okay, what is trespass? It means, uh, it means that word trespass means to violate or to cross a line. Now, you don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you ever felt like somebody crossed a line? How many of you have you ever felt like somebody violated some trust that you had with them? Many of you can say, yeah, yeah, I've done that. Okay, so now we're looking at ourselves. We understand now we have to forgive them. We have to walk in forgiveness. We have to make sure our own emotions are in check, that we ask God to show us if there's anything in us we need to fix. Because nine times out of ten, we'll have a better solution, okay? So we'll have a better solution of what happens. Because that word, if they cross the line or had behavior, you pray about it and you go to them. And you talk to them. Now, this is the part I have trouble with. This is the part I have. I'm not very good at confrontation. But how many of you know sometimes it's necessary to clear the air. And it's necessary to help you walk in forgiveness. Because, again, our perception, most of the time when you go to someone and say, listen, you really hurt my feelings. And I know it might not have been intentional. But this is what you said and this is how I felt. Nine times out of ten, the person's going to look at you and go, Oh, my gosh, Rita, I'm so sorry. I promise I did not intend it that way. Will you please forgive me? Or I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? Most of the time, people are going to do that. And then what does that do? That clears the air. 
Now you have that open prayer line again. You're not worried, right? You go straight to that person and you say, listen, I don't know if you meant this or not, but this is how it made me feel. Now, I'm not going to get ahead of myself because I'm trying really hard right now. Because sometimes you want to be like, girl, let me just tell you what so-and-so did. (laughs) They hurt my feelings, and they were so rude to me. They looked at me weird. I can't believe they looked at me like that. What is wrong with them? Okay. We didn't take heed. We didn't really ask God. We're still in our emotions. So now we need to go, okay, let's back it up here. Let's see if we can talk to God and see if he can help us. And then let's talk to that person. Because a lot of things and a lot of extra hurt would go, would go away if we would just operate under that parameter. Because, guys, it's so easy to take things the wrong way. It's so easy to step out of love and into unforgiveness. It's insane because the devil doesn't want you to walk in love. The devil doesn't want you to have victory in your life. But you need to have victory in your life. And so God gives us a surefire way to do that. Because confrontation doesn't have to be ugly. I feel like I'm in therapy right now. Confrontation doesn't have to be ugly, right? I feel like I am because it doesn't have to be. If you address that person, it goes away. It makes it better. It might be hard and it might be difficult. And I might cry if I have to say something. But at the same point, It's so much better out than in. It's so much better to get it in the air and to not let the enemy let that fester. You know, it's always like you never know the, uh, any nurses in here? Any nurses in here? Okay, so when you have a wound, you have to know that nice balance before taking the Band-Aid off and, you know, letting air get to it to covering it up, right? There's always that balance. I feel like it's the same way with forgiveness and unforgiveness. Like, okay, we got to let it air out right away. Like, we got to get air to it. That's what you got to think about. Because unforgiveness wants to take root in your heart. Because when you go about it this way, it's healthier. Everybody say healthier. Now, Mark 11 and 23, or 25, that subject of forgiveness goes in a different angle. And God made it clear that we're to forgive others regardless of if they ask for forgiveness or not. And if we want our prayers answered. But that's another sermon, see, alphabet soup. So we're going to come back. We're going to put that over there on the shelf, okay? We're going to leave that over there because, again, God asks us to forgive others no matter what. And we're focused on that Luke 17, 3. Because, again, how do we respond in, when, offense, when unforgiveness happens or when it offends, so you're wronged? You have to forgive no matter if they repeat. Because it says... It says um, the, the offender, if he repents, Jesus com- re- continued, if he repent, forgive him. That's a person who changes their mind, changes their way, says they're sorry. And you go on to read about no matter if it's seven times a day, times seven, times seven, and lots of sevens. No, no matter how many, 490 times a day, a math guy could probably tell you the exact, <laughs> a minute, right? We forgive. That's how we maintain that love walk. You continually forgive him over and over again. 
Jesus was saying that no matter what happens, forgive him. And he's saying if your offender apologizes for his action and promises to try not to do it again, you forgive him. Jesus never said that the offender had to meet your requirements. Never said that they have to live up to what you're saying for them to repent and to know that they're changed. Because if your offender expresses true sorrow for his words or action and asks for forgiveness, and if he exhibits a change of mind and heart about his actions, you are to forgive him and to let it go. That's the hard part. Forgiving by faith? All right, God, I forgive by faith. Letting it go? That's a, whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. But it's all about that. It's all about the truth that God has already given us. He's already given you faith that you need to forgive that person. He's already supplied you with the ability to, to forgive someone when they need to be forgiven. Because again, whether or not they seek reconciliation, we still forgive. You still have to make the decision to use your faith. And you still have to make the decision to cut out every root of bitterness that tries to come in while it's just a seedling. Don't wait to take the axe to it when it's a big giant root that you can't seem to cut out. Do it while it's small. Catch it while it's little. Don't let it grow because it changes the way you act. And then you start seeing everything as being bad in your life. Then you start seeing everything as being wrong in your life because that root wants to take over. It's like a cancer in your life. If you don't catch it as a seedling, you have to chop down the tree. And that's a little bit more work. Okay, that's a little bit more work. That brings us to the word forgive, which I want you to understand what it really means to forgive. Guys, this word defined is simple, yet it's powerful. It means to dismiss, to release, or to let it go. To dismiss to release or to let it go. In other words, if your offender offers you a sincere apology and asks for forgiveness, Jesus says, let it go. Anybody want to sing the song? Any singers in the room? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but I, every time I say that word, I cannot help it. I'm like, what is wrong? I, can, I hear that song every time I say let it go. So when you see, when you see forgive, sing the song, whatever you got to do. And then that might make you feel a little bit better too. <laughs> let it go. No kidding. Um, so rehashing the issue, guys, is not an option. Don't waste your time and energy on something that has been dealt with according to the word. Rather, put Put a smile back on your face and get back in the playing field of life. Because, guys, that's ultimately what God wants you to do. That's ultimately how he wants you to do. Because what, what should you do no matter what, over and over again when offense comes, you still forgive them. And even though that message might be difficult to swallow in the heat of conflict, can I get an amen when you're in the middle of ready to like, like I was the other day, I really have a box cutter right here and I want to stab something. Um, which, again, I was like, really? This is so unlike me. <laughs> what is happening? Oh, it's because we're about to preach on love. Okay, I get it now, God, right? So I was like, okay, okay. Um, but again, it might be hard, but it's a path that makes sense because it brings peace for your life in every area of your life. It brings you peace. So I have to ask you, would you rather be in strife constantly with a person who upsets you? Would you prefer to harbor unforgiveness and develop a hard heart? No, of course not. 
Because hardening your heart will never change the heart of your offender. I'm going to say that again because hardening your heart will never change the heart of your offender. It will just produce problems in two people's lives instead of in one. It's far better to let the offense go as many times as necessary. Guys, for yourself, for your own prayers, for you to be have your heart that's pure and free. Because, again, the enemy wants to sidetrack you with the little problems that knock you out of the game of life. But you don't have to let them do it. You have to follow Jesus' instructions, and you'll achieve victory in every relationship that you have. Because if you perceive that someone has wronged you, simply go to them, confront the situation, and then give that person opportunity to repent. Your job is to let that offense go and to be free of it, not to be held bondage to it, not to allow it to hold you down, hold you back, smother you, and suffocate you. Because trust me, if you've lived anywhere in unforgiveness before, that's exactly how it feels. And it is not a fun place to be. Because it's time for you to shake it off. And it's time for you to forgive and to get back in into the playing field of life. Because in that playing field of life, love truly is the victory that you have. Love in love, guess what else we have to do? We have to hold our tongue. Everybody's saying, I don't like that either. <laughs> we have to hold our tongue. The second point is that we hold our tongue. So not only do we forgive but we hold our tongue because God, oh my goodness, I'm going to tell on myself. No, I can't tell on myself. Okay, seriously. This, I'm usually pretty good about my mouth, okay? I, I've gotten better. Can everybody say better? And I'm sure if you've been saved for a minute, you've gotten better too. Because I used to not be so good, okay? <laughs> Can we say that? Thank God for his redemption, right? Um, like, do you always need to have the last word? Can't, you can't stand it when, when you can't respond to criticism. You maybe have trouble avoiding gossip. Well, guys, it's time for a crash course in holding your tongue because by your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. So don't condemn yourself because your tongue is the way to victory, or it's the way to destruction. So choose life, choose victory, choose, the, choose God's way, and choose to hold your tongue. Now, it takes practice. It takes practice. Practice. Now, because I'm non-confrontational, I'm not very mouthy by nature. My sister, if she's watching, I love you, and you're amazing. And we'll talk later. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling on her right now. If you're watching online, Jenny, I love you. But she, um, she, she definitely was the more mouthy one in the family. And she's my little sister. And uh, she taught me well. Can we say? <laughs> she's probably one of the only people that I really fight with. And probably one of the only people that know how to be like, this is your button and I'm going to push it and you're going to lose it. Okay? Very few people. Like I've met maybe a handful, one handful of people that I can think of that really just are like nails on a chalkboard to me. Very few, okay? So, <laughs> so I think, okay, hold my tongue. I have to watch it because we need victory in our life, right? Because the temptation to speak can sometimes feel like a burden you cannot bear on your own. And we really can't because, but guess what? God can because God always 
makes a way of escape for us, 1 Corinthians, right? He always makes a way of escape for us, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But 1 Corinthians 13 has a lot to say about this little thing that we also, that halftime show at the Super Bowl, which hopefully if you turned it off, maybe, I don't know. So hopefully you did. Um, but we got to watch this. We got to watch what we say. We got to watch what we do. And 1 Corinthians 13, like, really breaks it down. So you guys got your steel toe boots on? Yeah, I, I brought my boots. I'm ready. You ready? Let's read. 1 Corinthians 13. Love isn't rude or critical. Uh, let's see. Did I not tell you where to go? Nope, that's okay. I'm going to tell you where to go in a minute. Thank you, Rebecca. You're doing a great job back there. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love isn't rude or critical. So when you find yourself wanting to criticize, snap back at someone, gossip, or speak against the word of God, simply stop. Begin to recite scriptures and confessions over your mind. I'm going to write, I'm going to give you these scriptures because these are the ones I was like, okay, oh Lord, help me with this. Job 6 and 24. Teach me, and I will hold my tongue, and cause me to understand when I have erred. Proverbs 10, 19. Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. So another version says, too much talk leads to sin, be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Okay, that's a, probably the message translation. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> um, Proverbs 29, 11, Wisdom is silent. Wisdom is silent. So that version says, King James says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. No social media posts. Okay, um, 1 Corinthians 13 and 5 says, Love is not easily angered. Proverbs 17, 28. This is a good one. Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Proverbs 17, 28. Set a guard over my mouth. <laughs> I think that means a muzzle. I don't know. Anybody else have a visual of that? Okay. No, just me. Um, then Ephesians 4.29, uh, when Sean and I did youth ministry, this was our favorite verse. We used to make the youth recite this, right, honey? And they had to say what? Two nice things, right? So anytime they were dogging their friends or saying stuff that was rude, we would make them recite this scripture <laughs> and say two nice things about them. I think Luca and G did that in, back in the day, too, quite a bit. Um, but this is says, like, only speak what is edifying and encouraging. So this is like, no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So guys, <laughs> okay, yes, uh, yes, Lord, we will. Listen, the world enjoys a good debate, Right? You don't have to look far to find people across the world who are eager to share their opinions. In a world of television and social media and idle chatter, finding someone who remains silent is rare um, because 
remember this. Anyone can spout off opinions, but it takes wisdom to know when to be quiet. Proverbs 29 and 11 says that a fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Guys, there is a time to speak up. There's a time to be silent and to douse the fire of strife from in, from, and keep us from entering. Hello. Think about the many times. I was like, okay, I guess I got to be quiet. What time is it? <laughs> no, I have five minutes. Are you guys good? Okay. I'm only on two. I have two more. I'm going to hurry. <laughs> Becca's back there laughing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to hurry. Are we ready? <laughs> so listen, in your life, when all else fails, a foolproof way to hold your tongue is to stay silent. Think for a moment about Jesus, okay? He knew when he was attacked whether to speak up and address or whether to stay silent and not say anything. And God will give you wisdom and grace to know the difference so that you can keep in your love walk. Because the next time someone tries to pick a fight or comes at you harshly, or stay silent and watch how fast that flame and that fire of strife dies down. Okay? Watch that. Because, guys, it's so easy. Because when you put this into practice, you'll become more proficient at holding your tongue. And you'll stay away from sin. It will help you walk in love and keep the airways clear for your prayers. Because you'll have a newfound peace and joy. You won't have to hesitate about what you're going to talk about. You'll be able to walk in wisdom. Because you have to choose today to change how you talk. You have to refuse to gossip and let your words be edifying only. If you took a moment and asked yourself, is that an edifying word? Do you know how many how much better we would present Christ? Think. Hold your tongue. That is a difficult one. Guys, we all deal with it. We all struggle with it. And I'm sure that you can choose to be a blessing and choose to edify rather than tear down and choose to encourage rather than bombard with negativity like we deal with so often. And I'm sure that even though we've talked about forgiveness and even though we've talked about holding your tongue, guys, the third thing that we have to do when it comes to love is we have to believe the best. I am an eternal optimist. I am probably like, even if they're mean, even if I'm like, they're the best. And they're like, what is she talking about? Because I have like, God has to really help me. And that's why I have a really discerning husband. Because he'll be like, listen, watch out. <laughs> he, he straight will. Because I'm like, everybody's great. And I'm going to tell everybody. And we're going to all be best friends, right? That's just me. Now, listen, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But you do have to believe the best. But, guys, the agape love of God is not stupid. Okay? The agape love of God doesn't say, oh, lay on this floor and let everybody roll over you back and forth and stomp on you and be me. No. <laughs> that's not what that love is about. 1 Corinthians 13 and 7 in the Amplified Translation, translation says, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready. I love that verse. Isn't the Bible so, I love the words of the Bible. It's just, it's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. 
The mirror translation says that love is a fortress where everyone feels protected. That's the love that we exhibit. Because as you look at 1 Corinthians 13, and he believes the best, guys. He be, it involves a never give up kind of love. A love that looks at the very best of every situation and believes the very best in everything that they see. Again, agape love is not stupid. Guys, it is not blind. It sees everything. It sees the good. It sees the bad. It sees the ugly. It sees everything. But it is so I got to read this because it's so good. It is so filled with faith that it pushes the disconcerting, disturbing, and negative realities out of the way. It doesn't mean ignore, it ignores problems. It doesn't mean it ignores challenges. It just makes a choice to see beyond the challenge, to see beyond the problem, and to constrain, to, to forward, to see the highest potential that resides in every person. Because every person has a great level of potential on the inside of them, regardless of who they are. Because I urge you to take a good, honest look at yourself and ask, am I operating in that? Love believes all things. It strains forward with all of its might to believe the best in every situation. It protects Guys, it safeguards, it covers, it conceals, and it safeguards people from exposure. Love strains forward with all of its might to believe the best in every situation. It expects and anticipates the best in others and the best for others. Love, it never quits. It never surrenders. And it never gives up. That verse doesn't say it, it can't. It, it, it does. No, it says never. Love is a permanent victory that you have in your life. It never fades. It never fails. It never runs out. You can never go too deep into the love of God because I'm going to encourage you to do the right thing today. Operate in that high level of love. Let that divine love of God shine in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You have to open up your heart and let the divine love of God shine in and through you. And lastly, guys, don't get offended because if you could understand that the word that you hear, the enemy wants, the word that God drops in your heart, the enemy's coming after. Proverbs eighteen nineteen says, A brother offended is harder to be won over than a strong city, and their contentions separate them like bars of a castle. What do you say when somebody cuts you off in traffic? What do you say about someone who criticizes you? What do you say about somebody who speaks rudely to you? Without knowing it, guys, being offended could actually become a habit if you don't pay attention. But you've got to be on the lookout for those things and those people who might try to offend you. That love line, guys, it's narrow. I look at that line on the victory thing, it's narrow. It doesn't take up the whole slide. That picture there, it's a small line. Love is the same way. It's a narrow line. The devil wants you to get off of it that, so he can take what's yours. But you can't let him. You can't let him. Don't, don't allow him. 1 Corinthians 13 and 5. It says, 
do not behave, it's, it does not behave itself unseemingly. It seeketh not her own. It is not easily provoked, and it thinketh no evil. Wow. It thinks no evil. The Amplified there says it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not provoked or overly sensitive or easily angered. It does not take account into wrong endured. And that's what offense is. It's taking into account wrong endured. Don't credit it to people's account. When you think about offense in your life, imagine a bookkeeper who literally, a bookkeeper, what do they do? They, they track financial records, all the credits, all the debits that are coming in. They make sure it all balances. They take note of it. And just as a bookkeeper has an entry for every detail and every, every bit of money that comes in, that person, it's offenses like that person, like that bookkeeper who takes into account all the mistakes, all the faults, all the grievances, all the disappointments, all the, all the perceived wrongdoings. It takes those into account. And rather than to forgive and let it go, that offended person carefully maintains the records of each action done to him that he deemed unjust. That is not how love behaves. Love forgets. Love forgives. Look at how God loved you. Look at how God... Even though God could drag up your past, he doesn't. He forgets it. As far as the east from the west, he remembers it no more. He throws it into a sea of unforgetfulness, and he will never bring it up to you. That's the way love is. Never gets offended. You see, that's how agape performs. Someone who's been forgiven as much as all of us sitting in this room today. We're under the blood. God separates us forever. And I'm so grateful that we've been forgiven. And we don't have a right to keep track of anybody's shortcomings or someone else's mistakes or to hold on to offense because that thinketh no evil. Love thinketh no evil. So I'm asking you today, are you holding hostage in your mind because of what you deem to be an inappropriate action taken against you? Were, did they wrong you? Guys, confront them in love. Once you've dealt with that matter, release that offense. Let it go. Just as Jesus has released you, release them. I always like to say, throw away that diary. God got rid of it a long time ago. Don't go back and look at that. Don't go back and look at what is done in the past unless you're looking to see how God, how faithful God has been. Unless you're looking to see how great his love has been in your life. Unless you're looking back to see how big our God is. Throw it in the trash. It is not worth you walking off of that love line. Taking offense never comes from God. He says we're rooted and we're grounded in love in Ephesians, right? Reject those feelings of offense. Give yourself to that person in love and in prayer. You'll be able to walk right on through that situation without even stumbling. Because no matter what, you choose to stay on the line of love. Let's stand on our feet, guys.
Because when you put those things into practice, when you remember to forgive, when you believe the best about someone, when you, when you choose not to allow offense to come in, you'll become more proficient at walking in love. And you guys, one step closer to having victory. Because as you do those things, it opens up those airways. It opens up for your prayers. It opens up the door to the supernatural. And more importantly, you'll found a new find, you'll find a newfound peace and joy in your heart, one that will fuel you for many years to come. Let God change his life with let God change your life with his love so that you are a blessing everywhere you go. If if you want God to do good to you, simply do good to others. Walking in God's love gives you victory for life. Walking in love is not always simple. Sometimes we're asked to do the hard thing. But I want you to know that his love is larger than anything else in your life. And if you just close your eyes, bow your head, let's raise our hands. Let his love, let his love wash over you right now. He's here in this place. If you have unforgiveness, if you have offense in your heart, maybe you've fallen short. You're in the right place. Because I think all of us can agree that we've been there. And we've done that. Let his love wash over you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Maybe you've never taken that first step, and maybe you're watching online and say, I've never taken that first step, and I don't even know how to start walking in love because I've not even asked God to come live in my heart. He wants to live in your heart today, guys. And we want to pray with you so that you can ask Jesus to become the Lord of your life so that his love can set you free, so that his love can bring you victory because God has great things in store for you. And we want to pray with you. And if you're in this place and you say, I need to get my love walk on track and I need to ask Jesus to come live in my heart, we're going to all pray this prayer together. If everyone will, Please pray with me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. No greater love can I ask. I ask you now, Jesus, to come live in my heart. Cleanse me of my sins. Set me free. Help me to walk today and every day in love and in victory. I love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we're so glad you prayed that prayer. If that's the first time you prayed with us, you can let us know in those comments online. And guys, allow that love. Allow God's love to shine forth out of you. Allow God's love to overtake you. Allow God's love to flow out of you. Because that's who we are. Don't let offense or unforgiveness or a loose tongue cause anything to stand between because God's love is bigger and greater than all that. Amen? Well, praise the Lord, you guys. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. And as always, welcome home.